This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. Eric, this is a special episode of Trillions that coincided with a live event where you were on stage. I was in the audience, actually. But it was like the old times, the before times. Um, and it was part of this new Voices initiative at Bloomberg. Who is our guest? Yeah, it was uh, the one and only Reggie Brown, who a lot of people uh, in the industry know. I mean, he's very popular inside the industry and out to a degree. And he was um, a perfect guest for a session like this in person, um, somebody who can go anywhere in the conversation. Reggie is a market maker, so he's making markets in all different types of ETFs. And the reason he sometimes is called the ETF godfather is because a, a lot of times if you're a small issuer, you go to him to see if he'll give you seed capital, <clears throat> just a little bit of assets to start your life. And so, you know, people come to him. Um, and so that's sort of got the, how we got the nickname. And he's really good. He's well-versed in all topics. And so we thought it'd be good to interview him on stage live. And it was really, it was fun. And the part of Joel Weber on this episode will be played by Scarlett Fu, our colleague who's now at Bloomberg Quick Take and knows a ton about ETFs as well. Like I mentioned earlier, this is part of a the Bloomberg New Voices initiative that started in 2018 to increase the representation of women, both online and on air on Bloomberg TV. It's since expanded to include a cohort of black executives as well as Latinx executives. If you're interested in learning more about Bloomberg New Voices, or if your company would like to participate in the media training program, please go to Bloomberg.com backslash new voices. This time on Trillions, Mr. ETF, Reggie Brown. And we're now going to turn it over to the Trillions podcast with Reggie Brown, principal at GTS and Bloomberg's Scarlet Fu and Eric Balchunas. Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Reggie Brown, great to have you. Of course, um, principal at GTS, but also chairs the ETF fund board at American Century Investments. And Eric Balchunas, co-host of Trillions Podcast. Also, he has a new book coming out in April called The Bogle Effect. It's on the massive impact that Vanguard's mutual ownership structure has and will have on the financial industry, investors, and portfolios. He is my go-to guy on all things ETF uh, at Bloomberg. So let's get started here. Um, I just kind of want to set the scene, Eric, with you kind of telling us what's going on in the markets right now because commodities are on fire, stocks and bonds are stumbling because of rising inflation. We know the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates and will continue to do so. Give us a quick glimpse of what all this looks like through the lens of exchange-traded funds. Sure. So, I mean, every year ETFs take in about $2 billion a day. Uh, really, it's, it's almost like the way people move from CDs to the MP3 or digital. There's just this baseline of flows. So even equity ETFs are taking in money. Even fixed-income ETFs are taking in money. But then there's this 
layer, which is where the flows are basically moving to where the performance is. And this year, we are seeing flows into things that have lagged in the past, like commodities. They've been basically beat up for a decade. They're finally having their day. Gold's actually having a little revenge on Bitcoin because Bitcoin's down, gold is up, so that gold's catching a bid. Uh, even broad-based commodities, oil, natural gas, a lot of the stuff that people wrote off, to be honest, is, is having a comeback this year. But that's, I think, the main theme, but I think still you have the blob of money is still buying into sort of cheap beta uh, in the core. That sort of mass of retail money seems to be pretty unshaken. But on the outer edges, people are rotating between sectors and asset classes, and that's sort of what we see. And when you say cheap beta, you're referring to passive index funds. Yeah, like uh, a total market fund that holds, you know, 4,000 stocks and charges five basis points. It looks an awful lot like the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000. Yeah, it could be large cap or the whole market. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what cheap beta means. Okay, so Reggie, from where you sit, have ETFs complicated the current market dynamics? Complicated or solved a problem? Well, which one? I think it solved a problem. How so? Well, look, I think um, as the marketplace reset around sector rotation, ETFs has offered liquidity, particularly this year where um, the marketplace reset based on rising rates, higher inflation, geopolitical problems in Europe. ETFs provided the exhaust valve that uh, the regulators look for and largely has solved a problem, allowing retail investors to come into the marketplace at incredibly cheap prices, as Eric referenced. And it also allows for price discovery because Russia's stock market is closed, but people are able to trade Russia through RSX and ETF, or at least they were for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah. I could see Eric signaling. Yeah. Time out, time out. Time out, that's gone. 30 second time out. Yeah, no, they were. This is the, I, I'd love to hear your take on this. Are, normally ETFs are like cockroaches. They trade through anything. Um, 10 years ago, the Egypt stock market. Image. Yeah, I, well, I, if you come up with a better metaphor, let me know. But they're definitely survivors and... Ironically, people are like, oh, if the underlying is illiquid, ETFs are going to have problems. Actually, ETFs tend to be the one thing liquid when the underlying isn't. And we've seen this over and over in different markets. But for the first time, RSX uh, was halted, and it still traded, but then the exchange said, we, you can't even trade the ETF. Obviously, this is a unique geopolitical situation involving our own government. But I've never seen that. In fact, we have Dave, Dave Nadig on last week talking about this, and he said, you had to go back to Cuba or Iran which predates the ETF to find anything like this. It is unique, um, but if you look at market closing for international investors, India had that problem once where they closed off uh, inflows from foreign investors, but exchanges closed all the time. You had it in Greece, you had it in yeah. Egypt, so it's not really unique, but this is unique where the exchange and the market value um, of that country went to zero from a U.S. perspective. Now, one thing that we should mention is, Reggie Brown, you are known within the ETF world. Forbes famously called you the godfather of ETFs because you make markets in these products and you seed new funds as well, which means you have a front row seat to both innovation, new ideas, and copycat efforts as well. Can you give us an idea of how you spend your day? What's the split between new ideas and recycled ideas? Is it 50-50? Is it... 2080, 30-70? No, I think largely it's new ideas. Uh, lately, it is um, asset managers recognize the need to come to the, into the ETF space mm -hmm. and talk to them largely about how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then around thematics, so right now the themes are rising rates, inflation, their ETF ideas coming into the marketplace to solve those problems for investors. 
And then before then, you know, looking at ETFs to have options inside of it to buffer uh, certain market movements. So the the uh, the week to week overall is pretty interesting from a new idea situation. Mm-hmm. There are always um, ETF sponsor wanted to leverage someone else's ideas because they have better distribution or they have better pricing power, but that's the spirit of competition. Yeah, a lot of people would accuse the vanguards and the black rocks out there of doing just that, copycatting other people's ideas, but on a bigger scale, as opposed to coming up with their new, interesting, innovative ETFs. Well, I'll take you to task. I would think that iShares have done a terrific job of opening new markets to two sectors. They were first to launch a bond ETF. Mm-hmm. They were somewhat first looking at the style box um, for, for a multi-factor situation. So they've, they have their role. Vanguard looks at it from, I'm coming to marketplace, I'm going to be the cheapest in the marketplace. And that's going to be uh, competition between Schwab and Vanguard around the zero fee. But look at it, look. In the United States, retail investors have the opportunity to come in, into, into the marketplace, select an ETF, and get exposure through some complex vehicles. It's important that we, as an industry, provide the education for them, make sure they understand what they're buying. ETFs are complex. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. So walk us through how the sausage is made. How, what happens when someone comes up with a new idea for an ETF? Who do they go to? How do they get that done? Well, largely um, for a market maker like GTS, we're typically in the last phase of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll hear about it, but you have to go through writing a prospectus, you got to go through hiring a lawyer and going through that phase. As a market maker, they're looking for us like, would you make a market in this classification? Some of the stuff where it's like, no way, stay away, just because it has a lot of hair. For example, uh, uh, commodity ETFs to have futures inside of it, the futures market could be really thin, really difficult to trade. It's something that we're not going to want to touch because a market maker such as GTS, we look at the tradability of the asset class, the ability to get in and get out efficiently. Mm-hmm. For ETFs to have futures in it, there's a roll cost that gets pretty expensive. And that is a lot of complexity where that cost is embedded into the spread. Most ETF sponsors, they want their ETFs to look like SPY, whereas a penny watt. And a lot of times that's not practical because one, you don't have secondary trading, um, where mom and pop retailer are inside the trading spread. But then again, the underlying asset class is a little bit wide and expensive, like international securities. 
stamp taxes are embedded there, access to the market real time in the United States. So if you're a US investor, you wanna invest in Japanese equities at 2, 2 p.m. in New York time, you need a market maker to give you a synthetic price. I have to go up by futures, and then I'm taking on risk. And that risk is transferred into a spread that I would deliver to you. So I think it's really important to understand um, the asset class you're trading in and how best to access it. So if you were to look at a chart of, say, oil prices, oil futures, and then look at an ETF that trades oil, they don't line up exactly because no. of the roll costs and all the other complexities that you're just referring to. So there is a, a whole cohort of commodity ETFs that are future-related that the role is either contango or backwardation, and that's reflected in ETF. So again, I go through the complexity of the underlying asset class. It's important to note that an ETF or a mutual fund has the same risk characteristics, mm-hmm. except for the ETF is traded on exchange, open to global amount of investors, where you don't have the, the filter provided by an advisor, for example. So it's important that the individual investor understands what they're investing in. Yeah, uh, your music to my ears. I will say those complex commodity type, they're 3 4% of the assets. I call it the exotics or the rated R section of the uh, industry. We actually created a system to give green, yellow, and red. I think this should be widely adopted. So if you can help me out. Uh, I think you should, if you pull up a Robinhood account and you want to buy like, I don't know, VXX or USO, it should say Bloomberg Intelligence red light. And then you have to go and we'll tell you why. And then, hey, if you're still fine buying it, fine. Um, But I think this would be a way to protect the innocent while allowing innovation in the exotic areas. Thoughts? Well, Eric, (laughs) I'll take you to task here. Um, I think that there's levels of understanding. I think that unlike the United States, Singapore had created a classification that if it was a complex ETF, had an X in front of the ticker, you had to take a test. You know, the United States is free and fair, and I think that we want to promote competition in the marketplace and allow the investor to make their own choice. So we're talking about red lights. I think you just bring complexity because no one's going to understand that. They'll understand a red light. Well, I tried to. We won't understand why. But they copyrighted it. I wanted to. I actually literally wanted to use G, PG, PG thirteen, and R, but NC seventeen maybe. There, well, TVIX. So was the, there was only like four, four products in the NC seventeen category. So Eric's Leveraged talking about, about leveraging here, right? You're, you're leveraging ideas here, right? <laughs> it's a journalist here, Eric. So. Given all that, Eric, just for a moment, moment here, I feel like we need to bring in Bitcoin. What would BITO be? Would that be a red light? Would that yeah. be a yellow light? Anything that rolls futures is a red light because most people just don't, un, you know, more normal people don't even, like you said, contango. Most people think that sounds like a dance. And really, it's a punishing term. Bitto, Explain what contango is. Con, contango is, okay, when you, when you buy oil futures and they're going to expire soon, most people know you don't want to take delivery. So you are gonna to have to roll to the next one, and the next one's gonna be a little higher to maintain that exposure. Do that 12 times, and that could be 10, 20, 30% a year. And so if you hold it long-term, that's, imagine an ETF with, with an expense ratio of 30%, no one would buy it. But most people don't understand that. Uh, and every now and then, when oil gets hot, people pile into USO, uh, or they pile into one of these ETFs. But I will say, it's, it's usually at the fringes. Most of the big, gigantic blob of money is, is into the rated G stuff. Uh, the vanilla stuff, but I like that it's a big tent. It makes my job interesting. I have a short attention span and a love of novelty, and there's always something new 
to try to figure out. So I like the big 10 aspect of it, but there are definitely some products you could get hurt on. So we were talking about new issues and how you spend a lot of time focusing on that. There have been a lot of attempts to have new Bitcoin ETFs, spot Bitcoin ETFs, but they've all been rebuffed by the SEC. They're, they're not moving forward with that. What's going on? When, what is it going to take for the SEC to approve spot Bitcoin ETFs, which clearly are in demand by people? What do you think, Eric? Well, uh, you, you, your opinion is worth more than mine. <laughs> no, because he... Well, well, I have an opinion he, here. Yeah. He, uh, people call him for advice. I'll just put it that no, way. I have an opinion. If you look at um, the ETF industries, first of all, the ETF industry um, came into existence in 1990. It started in Philadelphia Stock Exchange. I'm from Philadelphia, 1987. Um, lawsuits went to Canada, came to the United States in 93. So, you know, we have 32 years of empirical data around, around how ETFs behave in various markets. So you look at Bitcoin. There's a lot of investor interest, and Eric and I were talking earlier, to trade the actual Bitcoin, it's pretty expensive, and no one understands the implicit costs that you're paying. If you're buying a Bitcoin, you're gonna probably pay 1.5% spread or commission to buy that. Think about that, that's 150 basis points of your money going to someone's pocket. And if you look at the exchanges, there's 450 Bitcoin exchanges around the world, and none of them are connected. So like if you want to buy GE, for example, right? You pull up your retail trading app, I won't use say a name, and then you get a price, and you hit a button, and that order comes to GTS. Oh, by the way, we are a retail market maker. Uh, when you're buying a Bitcoin, you're trading on that specific exchange associated with their fee structure. So the ETF community does a really good job of democratizing those costs pretty quickly. And so we're looking forward to trading a spot Bitcoin ETF because we're gonna flatten the costs, open it to a wide range of investors, and then bring liquidity. So for me to make a market in a Bitcoin spot ETF, I need to essentially have market connections to every 450 of those exchanges in order to arbitrage the various prices to close down those prices and lower costs. So I'm advocating for a Bitcoin ETF. My friends at Bitwise are looking for an ETF. My friends at Grayscale are dying to close up that discount in their vehicle. Look, there is $9 billion of investor money locked up in that product at a discount. That is not fair, and the government is holding that back from being arbitraged. So I look at that as an opportunity set. Um, in my business, I've traveled the world talking about ETF and liquidity and household inclusion. In the higher fee countries, Japan, for example, the, the unitary fee is 3%. That means that the average fee is 3% to invest in vehicles on that exchange, in that country. If you look at the United States, the average fee is hovering around 50 to 75 basis points. Lower prices bring more people into the marketplace to participate. So I advocate for household inclusion through lower prices than competition. What you're saying is sort of one of our theories, which is that uh, crypto really captivated the ETF world. When's it going to launch? What's it going to be like? And, you know, uh, James and Tom are back there. We covered this like crazy for a year. But then we started to realize, wait a second, uh, be careful what you wish for. ETFs are going to rock the Bitcoin world and the crypto world, especially the exchanges. 
because some of these exchanges are used to getting a, like a lot of money for trading. And we did the numbers. Uh, crypto exchanges make about 30 to $40 billion a year, at least in the last 12 months. And they do $1 trillion worth of trading. ETF market makers like Reggie do $36 trillion of trading and make one-fourth of that money. So ETFs, I think, are going to disrupt some of the exchanges and flatten those costs because you'll be able to go and buy a Bitcoin ETF for a spread of one basis point, not 150. And I think the expense ratios will probably get down to the 40 basis point level. And it'll be liquid. And I think that's going to be a, a good competition. I think the exchanges are probably due for a little disruption. I um, mean, they're hiring Matt Damon left and right and Larry David. And they got so much money there. You know, they own the Super Bowl this year. Uh, so uh, if they approve the spot, Bitcoin ETF, crypto exchange, Super Bowl commercials will go down. So this sounds like it's a good thing for retail investors. Then why is the government so cautious? What is it waiting for in particular before it does give the green light? There's a lot of fraud out there, unfortunately. If you look at the, um, the ICO market where you're raising capital through internet offerings of securities, 95% of those offerings are fraud. Mm -hmm. If you look at sanctions um, that President Biden has placed on a country of Russia, the oligarchs can transfer their wealth using Bitcoin. So it's unregulated, and I think that's fearful for the regulators. And that where there is unregulation unre in gray areas, invariably mom and pop retail are, are being run over. So I think there's a lot of things that has to happen. I think we made a lot of strides to answering regulatory concerns. Um, but there's still a lot of analysis that needs to occur to bring comfort to folks in Washington and Brussels to globalize the regulation. I will say, though, you know, there's probably, what, nine or ten countries who have approved spot Bitcoin ETFs, and they seem okay with all that. Why is the U.S. in a different mindset? Empirical, empirical evidence. We're, it's just, you know, if you can't tax it, Mm. You can't oversee it. They're not going to approve it. It's just the way our government works. You know, I, I, I can't necessarily argue that that's not incorrect. But again, what I don't want is the proverbial my grandmother trading in something she heard on, t on TV. And then she looks up and she paid 2% over what she uh, what was supposed to be paid for. So, you know, these are all just good examples of the need for investor protections, transparency and oversight. Um, for the best parts of the market. I hear you that there's a lot of market chasing. You know, if you approve, if a ETF, a spot ETF um, is approved, exchanges will be flattened out through competition and the real estate market in, uh, in Puerto Rico will actually collapse because all those big guys will come out of Puerto Rico and then come back to New York because that tax emission has gone away. So... Obviously, there's a lot of clamoring for Bitcoin ETFs, but you also hear a lot of pitches um, for everyone's ideas. People come to you to get funding. You hear the good pitches, the bad pitches, the ugly pitches. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a sense of some of the ideas that you've turned down that you've said, you know what, I don't think this is going to work? Well, famously, I told the Winklevoss twins, no, 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 in 2012. I've been right so far. <laughs> um, but there are... Um, a lot of wacky ideas where folks want to use the ETF rule to bypass uh, capital gains and bring, mm. um, you know, non-traded assets in ETF format. I stopped those at the door. Like, what, what was the most wild one? Can I put my hedge fund inside of an ETF structure and launch it as, as a structure? If you don't have mark-to-market, -market, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that um, when you get into some of the hairy parts of the industry where liquidity is thin, I mean, right now we saw an example of the London Metal Exchange uh, around nickel not performing well because the asset class is thinly traded, there's not enough supply, and that you can get cornered in the marketplace with the wrong side. Should you have an ETF structure built on nickel solely, I think you're seeing examples of just the problems around thinly traded marketplaces. We at GTS, we thrive on efficiency, we thrive on transparency, putting capital to work in the marketplace. It's very difficult for us to do our job if the marketplace um, is thin in the, in the number of participants, mm -hmm. and then there's no depth in the marketplace associated with, with those markets, because you're seeing in, in market-wide issues like what we went through um, with Ukraine and just rising rates, when the market goes one way, it goes one way pretty hard. And then we're seeing issues right now in the treasury market. There's less liquidity in treasuries. Um, HYG, the, the bond ETFs are trading at a discount right now because there's massive outflows. The mutual fund managers are using the ETFs to price their mutual funds, but the spread to treasury is at a historic gap that is signifying that the U.S. stock market is going to rise 8%. So you're seeing all this, but a lot of it's around illiquidity or the less liquidity and how prices are being forecasted for the future. Is there any new ETF that has come out that you were not in favor of before, but now you're like, I, I wish I could get a do-over on that one? Yeah, we, we, we missed a few over my long horizon in, in the career that I've seen. Um, famously, I think we were slow on on GLD and, and, the, and, the, and the gold ETFs. Mm -hmm. um, at that time, um, Bear, Bear Stearns brought that out. Um, we've seen iterations where it was like time and place. So right now, we talked about earlier, um, my friends at Bond Blocks are bringing out sectorized high-yield um, ETFs. Um, that was tried by another issuer. Um, it wasn't ready then, and it seems like it's ready now. You know, so it really comes down to what the market is thinking, market psychology, investor mindset, and then what works given you know, other factors. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
So, Eric, it seems like fund flows are, you like to call it barbelling between cheap beta, which are those passive index funds that often look a lot like the S&P 500 or other benchmarks like the Russell 2000, and therefore are fairly cheap, um, versus what you call shiny new objects. Newfangled ideas with higher expense ratios that get people's attention because the returns are astronomical, at least initially. What are you seeing there in terms of that balance? Yeah, this is something that really challenges people, especially ARC. I think ARC really showed this. Kathy Woods fund. Kathy Woods uh, ARC. Um, people are mystified that everybody hasn't left, and there's like zero dollars left. Well, the and. I will say we correctly called this. There's not going to be a run on the CTF, and here's why. People have largely replaced this sort of legacy active mutual fund with a like index fund, or we call cheap beta in their core. So they have like a 60-40 that's probably five basis points in cost. That's what the flows show. Well, that's really efficient, really good, and if you wait a long time, that's the, probably the, almost the best thing you could probably do. But it's so boring. It is so, it's like watching paint dry. So people tend to want to have a little fun and apply some hot sauce on the outside. So they go and they buy ARC or theme ETFs, which they can relate to, or crypto. I think anything that is, has a possibility of asymmetric return, and it's very different than the index, so it can complement. We would say, Kathy is complementing Vanguard, not competing with them. And that's a good spot to be right now. And that's why I think you're going to see more and more crazy, wacky, hot, saucy, and products get launched because the lane for complementing cheap beta is going to be vital and growing, but the lane to compete with cheap beta will always be very difficult. The value proposition is so good. Anybody who owns a four basis point total market fund, it's just very difficult to let go of that or replace it because you own all of the fundamentally weighted, uh, fundamentally sound serious investor stocks there. Therefore, if you own all that, you have more patience with your hot sauce. And that's why we haven't seen the kind of outflows from ARC or theme ETFs that people thought we would see, because they already have all the serious stocks covered. And so they're actually, what people see is a bug with her fund and others, in that why she keep doubling down on these crazy stocks. It's a feature to the people who are looking for something to distract them and possibly give them asymmetric return in the future and they don't want to miss out. And so it would be stupid of her or these funds to shift into cash or value stocks. Uh, And so this is an interesting phenomenon. And so I do think we're going to continue to see this barbelling. And the cheap lane is obviously pretty saturated. I think Reggie's going to probably turn down a couple more ideas uh, in the next year because I think they're going to get crazier and crazier. And stuff you laugh at, I've laughed at many an ETF when I saw the filing. And they got, it's got a billion dollars today or more. I swear to God. So I don't laugh anymore. Every now and then I laugh. I can't help it. But I don't doubt that some of these products that sound silly today will actually catch on in the future because of this practical purpose they serve in the portfolio. Hmm. What do you think of that, Reggie? Well, I think that the themes are nothing more than momentum trades that folks are bringing out. And, um, and those momentum trades are just grabbing a cheap beta. So to your barbelling uh, analogy, I think it's one transfer to another where the themes around either housing or anti-ARC, I see my friend Matt Tuttle there, um, uh, who's a sponsor of that ETF, <laughs> you, know, you know, he's just making a call, not necessarily on Kathy Wood, but the sector 
around uh, the valuation and you know is it time to you know place a hedge bet against it you know so look Kathy Wood I, I know her when she left A and B and had an idea I think she'd done a, a credible job of bringing a new investor class into the marketplace you know I joke with her uh, when I see her um, that She's responsible for 15-year-old boys tearing down the Farrah Fawcett poster and putting up the Kathy Wood poster in a bedroom. <laughs> and then these 15-year-old boys are opening up a Robinhood account, and then their parents are finding out all of a sudden they're buying their father a Mustang you know, <laughs> with, with their gains. That is a society good because you brought a new investor class in. So everything has its time and place. I think as far as you know, the themes, the thematic stuff, I mean, marijuana. You know, when it came out, no freaking way would I touch marijuana. One, I don't smoke it. Uh, full disclosure. Full disclosure. But literally, I think that the banks didn't want to custody the cannabis uh -huh. because of their FDIC um, stance and regulation of that. So it's very hard for a market maker to take on that liability risk. So there are areas that we missed on, missed out of because of just hypersensitivity mm -hmm. around just the optics around regulation. You've shepherded so much of the development of the ETF industry since its birth. Do you think we've reached peak ETF or is there a lot more market share for this product to take? I mean, you're, you're looking at me like I'm crazy right now, but we, at different points people have said we've reached peak ETF. Do you see those mutual funds over there? <laughs> We're coming for you, baby. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to transfer um, the mutual fund industry and convert them into ETF format and give investors lower pricing and choice around entry and exit. It really comes down to um, retirement platforms and allowing ETFs in our ecosystem and how people get paid. But I think that there's a lot of opportunity for growth. I see it. Every asset manager traditionally who has an open mutual fund complex wants to convert into ETFs to offer their investor choices. Even at risk of cannibalizing their own fund? 100%. So I think that long term, the ETF industry will get to 25 or 30 trillion um, in my lifetime. And I have another 40 years to go, so. You're gonna have to change the name of your podcast. To what? What's after a trillion? Quadrillion. 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 Yeah. My son actually just, my 11 year old just told me, I, I learned that word the other day. He said, did you know that galaxies are gonna cease to exist in a quadrillion years and there'll be nothing but black holes left over. I was like, oh, I was like, where did you hear that? He's like, YouTube. So anyway, just FYI. YouTube but I, I look all. up quadrillion and it means 1,000 trillions. So anyway. Reggie, thank you so much. Thanks, Reggie Carl. Brown is principal at GTS, also chairs the ETF fund board at American Century Investments. And of course, our own Eric Baltrunas, senior ETF analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, also co-host of the Trillions podcast and new author of The Bogle Effect. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you'd like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. 
Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.